as much as we talk about having a lot of Mormonism imprinted into our DNA, I also still have some of that skeptic imprinted in there. Um, <laughs> oh, man, that's that's some that's some triggering stuff for me because it gets into in heaven. The, you're gonna say, "Oh, I lived during you know Abraham Lincoln," and the other person gonna be like, "Oh, I, I lived you know during Genghis Khan." And then you're, I lived during Gordon B. Hinckley, or Thomas <laughs> F. Not, S. Monson, or Russell M. Nelson. And there's going to be a hush that falls over the corridors of heaven. Everybody's going to like bow to you like oh, this <laughs> toughest time. And it's like, come on, what? Come on, I love being at that, at that place where I can look back and with more gratitude than bitterness. Welcome to that 5D, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I am still very much in the 3D when it comes to Mormonism. I don't know. <laughs> like... <laughs> Part of me was so triggered by everything you just said, Mike. I was like, nope, 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 And your soul is understanding. Hmm. And that understanding is love. Yeah. Love for yourself, love for your friends, love for your enemies, love for yeah. the things that you don't understand. Yeah, love your and I'm experiencing baby. that right now while the three of you are arguing about whether or not we should have been Mormon. Nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> What do you guys think? Well, it reminds me of just how you're treating co- your COVID diagnosis today, Glenn. <laughs> yeah. In a way. All right. Yeah. I was kind of like, what am I going to learn from this? This is a teaching moment, you know? I've um, had so many internal imaginary conversations with this virus inside of me. Is infants on thrones? Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything in this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn ostland and this is episode 151 Infants on COVID, a 5D perspective. And I am beyond thrilled to welcome back the full Mormons on Mushrooms panel of Mike, Shalice, and Doug. Yes, welcome back, Doug. And yes, it is another episode where we play in the sandbox of symbols and stories and fictions that are probably a little different, or maybe very, very different, from the normal symbols and stories and fictions of everyday discourse that we rarely stop to recognize as symbols and stories and fictions because we just think of them as reality, which, when you really stop to think about it, is only experienced and communicated through multiple competing systems of symbols, stories, and fictions. Stop. Take a breath. This is fun, right? 
playing with symbols and stories and fictions, all in the service of learning how to become a more kind, compassionate, understanding, accepting, nurturing, joyful, peacemaking human being, human mind. So today we're going to be talking about a lot of different ways of perceiving reality. Reality. You know, things that really exist as opposed to things that really don't exist. Things that exist in some form of existence as opposed to things that exist in no form of existence. Like thoughts. Like thinking about biting into a lemon, which isn't the same thing as actually biting into a lemon. But they're both real, right? They can both trigger a physical salivation response in your body. They can both make you pucker. They may not be the same kind of real. One may be a thought form and the other a physical, actual yellow lemon. But even thought forms exist in the real world and can be identified and measured with the right kind of neural equipment. So these are the kinds of questions that we'll be exploring in today's episode. What is real? What is imagination? Is imagination real? Maybe a different kind of reality? What is an egregore? Group think? A thought form? Are thought forms real? Are fictions real? Do fictions and groupthink impact anything in the external world? What is the external world? Is humanity and the planet Earth moving from a three-dimensional reality through a fourth-dimensional reality into a fifth-dimensional reality? What does any of that even mean? Are, are these also just symbols and stories and fictions that represent something else? Is that something else something I should even care about or be aware of? What are dimensions? What are Russian nesting dolls? If I put a single green pea into a small red Tupperware container, and then I put that into a medium yellow Tupperware container, and then I put that into a large blue Tupperware container, is that kind of like the way that my body is made? That all reality is made? With quantum energy being that little green pea inside of atoms that are inside of molecules that are inside of cells etc etc and and how in the world could i think that that single green pea of quantum energy is the fundamental building block of everything that is and it is a field that fills the entire space so that single green pea is actually every other single green pea inside of every other atom molecule and cell and what 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 are you what are you talking about glenn doesn't anyone notice this i feel like i'm taking crazy pills yes yes i did test positive for covid and i have no idea what's in store for me i have friends who have had it one in particular heather who you might remember from this podcast who suffered horrible migraines for months others who experienced it as a cold with cold-like symptoms and really nothing more some who were rushed into the ICU and put on ventilators I, i don't know what's ahead for me but i'll find out soon enough won't i and all of this plays into today's episode so <laughs> hang on, on your hats and glasses cuz this here's a wildest ride in the wilderness Ah, please, yeah. Start over again. <laughs> you feel bad, what? <laughs> just, I, I've been feeling FOMO when you guys record and talk about Pleiadians because it's just been, like, at each time, I don't know, something was weird going on. I had kids sports or some kind of thing like that or whatever. But but I just, I just want it to be acknowledged for the record. You were invited. 
Oh yeah, of course I was invited. So it, I, it, would, I, yeah. it was it was your choice to not join, the, or maybe the uni- the universe got in the way. You wanted you wanted to join. I mean, I wanted to, but choice is an interesting concept with <laughs> with a wife okay. and three active children. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe we can make up for it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Tonight. So I I um. The, the first time I recorded with you guys in January, it was the day that I lost my job. And I remember I kind of dropped that on you guys. You're like, oh, no. I'm like, ah, oh, don't worry. It's going to be all right. And it was. It was fine. And so I think it's so poetic that today is the day that I find out that I tested positive for COVID. And we already had this thing scheduled. And this is the first time that we're all four back that you're joining us, Doug. So it has this really nice synchronicity, especially since the last time. Shalice and Mike and I recorded, I think it was about synchronicity. So everything worked out with my job. Everything is going to work out with the COVID stuff. It's just the universe sending me a message, right? That's right. Is it, hey, is this your first time getting COVID? Yeah. That I know of. Yeah. That you know I, of. I don't, I don't, I don't think I had it earlier. Um, I, I tested um, for it twice previously and it was negative both times. And so this is third time is the charm. Third time is the charm. <laughs> But Doug, you're the common thread in these two ones. You yeah, know, like, I'm like the harbinger of bad omens or what? Yeah. No, but it's not the bad. It's the bad that actually is okay. Right? Remember? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so you, you've you had COVID, Doug? Yeah, actually, we're coming up on my exact um, year anniversary, and I still can't smell shit. Like, I, really? I have not smelled anything for one Shit's year. Shit's the only thing that you can't smell? Or? I wish I could smell shit. Yeah, I can't smell <laughs> anything okay <laughs> including shit yeah have you tried that don't they have like this though. like pickle therapy going on or something or you like smell a bunch of i don't know yeah like with essential oils and lemon and lime and all that kind of stuff i've i've, I've been doing that it's like smell training is what they call it but uh nothing did they have any idea why that happens to some people and not to others and and do you have that for your sense of taste as well well, my taste has been, uh, my taste came back about, uh, three weeks after I got it. Mm. Um, but it's deadened and, and things do taste different. Like coffee is awful to me. Mm. Uh, I used to really kind of quite like coffee and now it just can't even stand the taste of it. Wow. And then also chocolate chocolate. I just can't get behind chocolate. It tastes like uh, dirt to me. Wow. Yeah. That's why I'm so slim and trim because coffee and chocolate are out of my diet now, you know? Oh, okay. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah thank you. COVID. Uh, yeah. I can still taste beer though. <laughs> Praise be. Praise cool. Be. Well, I, I, I want to call this episode infants on COVID a 5d perspective. I'm on board. I love it. I'm on board. Does that mean anything to any of you? Like what would a 5D perspective, like, have you guys heard about the move from 3D to 5D? Has that come across your radar? Amber talked about it on our episode. Yeah. With her. Oh, did she? And oh, she- oh, when you interviewed her, she talked about that? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I heard it from the Wendy Kennedy stuff that you sent. Right? Yeah. And so yeah. I'm fascinated to talk about it. I don't know much about it, but uh, it's fascinating to me. And yeah. And it triggers this thing in me where it's like, is this similar to the, and maybe we've talked about this on another episode, but is this similar to the millennium that we've been talking about, you know, our whole lives? 
and, or, or maybe the millennium was just a precursor to uh, maybe that's what they were vibing with when you know whoever got the download about the or revelation i think is what we called it right <laughs> about the uh in other words i'm wondering if i'm just falling for the same shit or if the, <laughs> if the shit i used to believe was actually a archetype yeah. of the same thing we're talking about here you know what if I mean? only we had someone here who could sniff out the shit right <laughs> that'd be great i still smell shit pretty well do you okay you know but i'm but um, um, i don't I'm, I'm on board with this conversation yeah 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 the wendy kennedy stuff and then like there's that uh i saw that documentary close encounters of the fifth kind oh yeah talk about the fifth dimension you know like astral projection traveling through space and time to make contact so that, i mean when you say that I, I could be completely wrong but that's the kind of thing i start thinking about is um uh contact or 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 able the ability to exist in multiple spaces simultaneously uh, flattening out time yeah and and the way i like to think about that is it it's it's not the ability to exist in multiple dimensions at the same time but it's raising your awareness that you already are <laughs> Yeah. existing in multiple dimensions at the same time, but we're so focused on the here and now of what's going on um, that we, we just kind of ignore it as if that's, that's only science fiction and only fantasy um, where you could raise your awareness to experience the reality of it. I think that's the idea behind it, the way that I understand it. I mean, I think we do have limitations though, as far as the human brain and the 3d construct, there's only so much that our, brains can actually process which is why anytime i am experiencing mushrooms or any type of um, psychedelic i feel like my brain is unlocked to a higher dimensional place because i do feel like i have a bird's eye view of a lot of different things that i didn't have the capability of seeing just in a sober state of mind Mm. yeah Cool. Well, so bringing me back to that, sorry, just real quick, I, you're bringing me back to that solstice thing we talked about where um, I remember when I was really uh, tripping on LSD and we, uh, the, there was a, we were, remember that pirate guy we were talking to, Doug, were you talking to me with the pirate guy or not? Yeah, dude, I could, I could, I don't, I don't know if I should name him, but he had multiple pirate outfits. I told him, I was like, dude, you got too many fucking pirate outfits. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. And there was that guy. And there was also, when I was really having a rough time, there was this uh, older woman in like this purple and lavender, I don't know. But with both of those people, I felt like, oh, these guys know the game. They're just traveling, <laughs> they're traveling through time. They're on there and they're kind of inviting people to their, their, their uh, intergalactic space traveling spaceships or whatever. And they're sailing away. And right now they're in this time zone right now in this timeline. And I'm like, how do I, how do I learn how to do this? But maybe I, I am already doing it. I just, I'm not aware that I'm doing it. And maybe <laughs> they're not really aware that they're doing it too. Um, their physical incarnations now, or maybe they are aware and they know what they're doing. I don't know, but it just brings me back that memory. <laughs> yeah. The, the only place I can even try to, to imagine that is, is that there are so many things that are going on inside of my body. Like there's so many things that exist inside of my body that they are there molecules, atoms, you know, like things that they're doing stuff that is me, but I'm not aware of it. But if I can become aware that it's happening, 
then I can expand my awareness a little bit, even if I'm not experiencing it from the perspective of a molecule. Right. <laughs> yeah, that that starts getting funky for me because they are there and it is you. And without all of those individual molecules and atoms doing their own th- operating supposedly on their own volition, there is no you. Right. Right. So what is me? It's like billions of these little things. And who knows what the little part that makes up the idea of me saying I am me or me exists. Fucks with me a lot, man. That's that's a that's a tough one. I'm I'm glad I'm not high right now (laughs) (laughs) cool well so i i prepared some clips from kimber um shalice mentioned that she and i are are in a class that started this last sunday do you want to talk about that a little bit shalice just to set it up because you've you've done these classes with kimber before right and this is my first time yeah it's um it's a mystery school, so it's divine alchemy. It's everything that is and all the learn about ascended masters and spirit guides and the dimensions, um, the densities. Yes, I'm George, George McFly. I'm your density. The densities, you learn about the chakras, how to clear the chakras and how to activate them to be at your full potential, whether that's for manifesting power or just to come into yourself as a complete human being, mind, body, and soul. And it's just this absolutely gorgeous group of people, like every, every single person on that call. And we only had about half of the group there, I think, uh, for the first one, but just everybody is so cool. Like it just was a really nice place to be. And um, yeah, so <laughs> I got some FOMO right now in that class. That's uh, I told yeah. you guys, I told you guys to join. Yeah, <laughs> I think you did, right? I, yeah, <laughs> trying to re- realize why I never, I didn't do it. <laughs> Maybe but. it's not too late. She wanted uh, more men in there anyway. You know, when she first started this class a couple years ago, it was women only because it was like a, a safer container for us to really, I don't know, speak openly. Intention- intentionally, it was women only? Yeah. Hmm. And I think she just this past year decided to start doing classes with men as well. Hmm. And so they're slowly trickling in. But I think that's why there's usually way more women than men, because it's the women who've already taken the class and they've come back. Hmm. Well, and that's interesting that you asked that question, Glenn, because I, I, I was thinking this, I, maybe I was on the same wave with you of, I think that women seek out that type of intuitive or um, maybe a little less conventional type of thing. So I was curious too, if it was intentionally women or if it was just, it was just women who, who seek that out a little earlier than, than men. That's what I've learned from doing this podcast is that women are um, often a lot more, I don't know intentional or magic than right right brained heart opened uh feeling centered like what are some different words we could use here that women like that feminine energy uh, it's the creative the creator energy yeah we're looking to create more and to manifest more i don't know i think women are just naturally more open to the idea of stuff like this definitely because you really have to be vulnerable and feel the feels in her class, um, they usually get pretty intense or it ends up being like group therapy sometimes. Mm. 
Well, the, and, and this first one was a lot of uh, information. So she was kind of setting the context. Um, and so I, I pulled a couple of clips. There's only five of them in total. It's just over six minutes. Um, so we should be able to get through them pretty quickly. But it, it's similar to what we've done in the past with some of the Wendy Kennedy stuff. And I, I, I like the comparison because there's, there's definitely things that Kimber's talking about that, to your earlier point, Mike, does sound very familiar to somebody who's been raised as a Mormon. So let me play the first clip here and then we can talk about it. We have total amnesia of our past lives, our galactic origins. We forget who we are. We forget our mission. We forget what we came here to do. It's like we're in this complete illusion of linear time and we're unable to experience the higher dimensions. But that's the old world. And some people are still in that deep 3D world. And that's what we're seeing. Um, but as we move into fourth density, fourth and fifth dimensional perspective, this is all changing. So more and more people are waking up and reconnecting to all aspects of themselves, which, you know, some being star seeds, they're coming with their memories intact. And as children, some of us saw angels and light beings and so we're here to help other people remember that this is a reality, that there's other dimensions, there's other realms of experience out there besides just what you can see with the world of matter. And that world is the, the world of imagination. All right. What, what, what jumped out to you from that clip? Because there's several things that jumped out to me. Well, let me just start with the end there with imagination. I, I was just hesitating whether we start with that because it was the last thing she said, but um, it's something that's really coming up for me in a lot of ways in the power of imagination to create our reality and how, you know, imagination plays such a big role in it's something we, you know, we learn to shut down as children uh, after we're children, I guess, you know, in children, it's very active. And then, um, at some point it shifts and, you know, we're taught to, you know, not have our head in the clouds and right. But if we're, we're taught that imagination is not reality. Yes. Uh -huh. right. Yeah. But when you think of like, you know, I was even just doing, a, I've been doing a lot of active imaginations re recently, which is a concept that like, uh, I think James Hillman or Carl Jung taught about, which is, you explore your inner world through imagination and it has a lot of psychological benefits. It's, uh, it's fascinating. You know, you could just, you basically go in a meditative state and you kind of go on an inner journey and those, I mean, dreams are the element of imagination too, you know, uh, it, it may be not active, you know, unless you're, uh, controlling your dream or what do they call it? A lucid dream. But if you're, if it's not a lucid dream, your, your subconscious is imagining it. And so, and the, that imagination, you're imagining your, the energy inside of you in like imaginal form in a way. And so that's very real, you know, it's, it's taking on these images and, and the power that the imagination has to tap into those images. I mean, I was even reading in part of this book where it talks about, you know, talking about the chakras that Shalice was mentioning uh, envisioning an animal for each one of your chakras. Mm. And then that animal becomes like your companion and it's someone you can talk to when like, Oh, you need more confidence. And so you talk to your sacral chakra animal, whatever that is. And people will be saying, Oh, you're going crazy. You're talking to imaginary animals. Well, 
if it helps you access your courage and your power and, and that animal is something that your subconscious imagined, um, there's just a power to it. And so it's fascinating that it's been hard for me as I've been trying to tap back into my imagination. It's a new skill that I'm trying to hone and it's, it gets kind of hard sometimes and it gets frustrating because, you know, I get caught in my head. Oh, am I just imagining it? Am I not? Or am I doing it right? Am I not? And the point is to just keep trying. I don't know, but that stuck out to me that she said that. Um, Yeah. For me, I, I immediately went into some of that. I, I don't know. I still have, as much as we talk about having a lot of Mormonism imprinted into our DNA, I also still have some of that skeptic imprinted in there. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's always interesting because like anytime someone's talking about, uh, you know, these beings or these entities that some of us can see, I start getting into like, well, okay, why some of us? Like what, you know, I, I start getting into the same thing of why did Joseph Smith see God and Jesus? And we have a little bit more uh, confirmation or clarity or something like that. But then I started, the more I listened to her, I was like, but gosh, you know, it, it's like when I, there are times when I've been in an altered state when I, I mean, I'm very clearly interacting with, entity otherworldly entities or other dimensional entities and so i think that there are people who hone this skill and then are able to uh, learn from it and and be a little bit more intentional with how they get into those communications and into interacting with those beings and i just um i don't know i i, I guess the skeptic comes in first and then the the other part of me says well you've experienced some of this stuff. Um, but a lot of times you, it, you, I'm required to have tools or medicines or whatever we want to call those entheogens to help me communicate with that. So that, that's kind of what first jumped up for me. Do you feel like when you've had those interactions with those, those beings in an altered state, that that is anything other than your imagination? Like, would it, would it, would it reduce the um, like the significance of that experience? If I said, Oh, you were just imagining that Doug, that those, no, were, those weren't real. Think... They were imagination. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, I, I think I'm okay with those being imagination because they're things that um, if I were to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to imagination right now. Um, the, the experiences that I've had have been beyond what I think that I could normally uh, explore in my imagination. So I'm okay with what, you know, whatever we're calling real, uh, versus imagination. I, I'm okay with those entities existing in, in my imagination only, but even to say in my imagination only it gets into those places of, well, what is, what does that mean? Like, what, what yeah. does that even, right. What does that even mean? Yeah. yeah right. I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I do think there is at least a possibility for separation between imagination and something outside of yourself. If we ignore the whole, we're all connected thing. I do think <laughs> if we uh, ignore the, we are uh, all connected thing. there are other <laughs> beings and entities that are like trying to connect with us beyond mm. 
the scope of our imagination. Yeah. I mean, I, I could say that firsthand uh, based on some of my experiences. So like people question my past life regressions and they're like, well, maybe you just made that up. I'm like, okay, well, if I made it up, how did I conjure the name of the exact place with the exact people married to the exact person in the exact time period that actually exist? How, and I had no idea that that was a real place. So like, there's that. And also, um, I was actually, um, touched by an angel once when I was a kid. And I know I wasn't imagining that because I was, I could have been seriously hurt, but I was like saved by this, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, bury the lead. Why don't you tell us more? (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe it's, it's only now that we're hearing this story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've kept it in my pocket. Uh, <laughs> happy to talk about it on, on our side as well. But yeah, I was, I want to say four or five years old. And my dad had just built these really cool bunk beds for us, for me and my brothers. And my brother had one that was a little bit higher than mine because I was so little. And my grandma was over and me being uh, trying to get attention because no one paid attention to me as a kid (laughs) I was like was like look grandma look how I can climb the ladder and so I climb up to the top and she's talking to my mom and no one's paying attention to me and so they like keep chatting and they walk out of the room and I was like waiting for them to come back and then they didn't and I got nervous I was like wait wait for me and so I was trying to climb down really fast and my foot skipped a rung and so I started falling backwards and I like close my eyes really tight waiting to hit the ground and I didn't Mm. I was just like suspended like a plank and I didn't feel hands I didn't feel like like someone caught me and it was that kind of gravitational pull I just was floating for maybe five seconds and then slowly put down on the ground and I opened my eyes like who goes there (laughs) (laughs) and no one was there um and so I've remembered that for a very, very, very long time. And I always was mad at myself. I'm like, why didn't I open my eyes? I could have seen who it was that saved me. <laughs> yeah. That's an awesome, that's an awesome experience. It, it reminds me, my cousin told me a story. Um, his, his, his grandfather on the other side of the family, not the one that we shared, uh, had passed away. And he was driving down from Utah to Arizona to go to the funeral. And he fell asleep at the wheel. And when he woke up, you know, like he'd only been out for a couple of minutes, but when he woke up, his, his arms were down at his side, but he looked and he saw hands on the steering wheel. And he said, those were grandpa's hands. Whoa. So I've heard stories like that before too, Shalise. And so to your point that, that there's things that are outside of just your own imagination, like you've had experience with that. I, I, I think one of the areas where we can get tripped up is just the word imagination. Like, what is it? <laughs> what, what, when we're talking about something that's imagined, what are we really talking about? Like what, what physically, biologically is something that you're imagining? And, and I think if you break it down to the fundamental biology of what it is and the neurology of what it is, it's, it's a neural pathway, just like what you're seeing just like what you're hearing, just like when you're moving, just like everything that we do is all these neural pathways that are, so, so I, I have this very broad 
interpretation and definition of imagination, that it's anything that our brain is creating and everything that we experience is something that our brain is creating. And it's, it's like filtering the world that is outside of us, but it's being rendered by our brain inside of us. And so I, I think everything is kind of an imagined experience from that perspective, because our brain creates it. Does that make sense? That's how yeah. I see it. Yeah. And I think there's that element of like, well, at least you were saying, it, you know, it, something outside of us too, like tapping into other entities. But I think there's a, an element of it's, it's almost like, it, is it maybe, and maybe this is where it'd be great to have Kimber on here too, but uh, <laughs> is it, is it the same muscle almost that you're exercising? So like when you're thinking of your, you're imagining. So if, if Kimber's channeling or Wendy Kennedy's channeling the ninth dimensional Palladians, in her mind, she's kind of using her imagination, but her imagination is what's allowing her to connect with that other vibration and that frequency, or it's coming from her subconscious, which, you know, at least you're saying we're all one, we're all connected. It's the same subconscious that is connected to the ninth dimensional beings and to each other. And so in using that link we have to source or God or whatever we want to call it, the subconscious, uh, it's through imagination that that's accessed. Yeah, yeah that's kind I mean, of how I we, think of it, Mike. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, no, I was just going to say, if we really want to get specific with it, I think that's really all that it is. If we are all connected and we're accessing our imagination, we're really just accessing a different part of our imagination, imagination through this channel. And that's really, I mean, that's why they call them channelers or mediums or psychics because they are channeling this information that may or may not be connected to everyone and everything just like a a global consciousness or a universal consciousness so maybe everything is just pure imagination maybe (laughs) imagination and consciousness are one in the same i don't know well here's a go ahead go ahead ahead. no no you well i just so maybe this is for everyone but i I was going to respond to shalice but so you tonight like what is it possible that you could go into a meditative state and doing and do some active imagination and could you i mean imagination is is basically creation right uh, whether whether manifested in in some kind of uh, physical realm or just in your imagination but could you imagine a a, a being or a person who uh gains awareness or consciousness and a consciousness that is wholly separate from your consciousness or, or your life experience. And then could you do that multiple times? And then, and then if imagination exercise are gaining a, a wholly separate consciousness, I mean, what are, what are you talking about birthing a new creature out of your own imagination? (laughs) Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, kids do it all the time with imaginary friends and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, you know, but then then has a separate existence outside of you fueling it with your imagination. Yeah. I mean, so kind of like an American gods type. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. All right. So that question was to Shalise. <laughs> well, I think it was to the group. It just was, it was just sort of uh, inspired by what Shalise was uh, yeah. just saying. Have you ever heard of an egregore? No. You just described an egregore. 
but but egregore is egregore is this concept i i, I did an interview with uh, phoenix aurelius um i think last october november he's a an alchemist in utah and he he told me about these egregores and so i went and i got a book and i listened to it on egregores and it's this really interesting idea that there are these entities it reminded me of american gods that are like belief systems that people like somebody who's trapped in victim mentality and groups of people that are tripped in uh trapped in this victim mentality they all share the same kind of narrative it takes on a life of its own and it becomes its own egregore this own kind of thing uh, and that there's an energy to it that exists in the astral realm and it becomes like i don't know like an evil spirit or, or something like that oh, that, that there, there's a book um right. I'll, I'll see if I can find it on my audible and share you it's, or maybe even a deadly virus. Oh, so we're bringing it back to COVID. Are we? <laughs> Shit, Tell me, what are your thoughts on that? Mike? Is it maybe it's just a collective imagine, you know, people, uh, the collective projecting out their fear into a virus, you know, instead of holding on to our fear, we projected it out and now it's mutated and it's become a physical manifestation of our, uh repressed fear and now it's attacking you glenn i'm sorry <laughs> well i th i think so so the, i looked up the book it's called egregores by mark stavish and james wasserman um really interesting concepts and ideas it's an ancient ancient idea of of egregores but i i think um if you're talking about covid you know, there's different people have different takes on what it is and how effective it is. And maybe there's something about the way that somebody's mindset is that would determine how it impacts them or affects them. I don't know if it would or not, but I think that's what somebody who is talking about egregores would say that there's maybe multiple egregores that are competing for the the way that people will react and respond to this virus that exists out in the world kimber does talk about yeah. ascended masters just being basically thought forms because they turn into mythology and then people still pray to them um, mm -hmm. like ganesh for example or lakshmi or, or jesus or buddha and the more people put their energy and attention to it the bigger it grows so maybe I mean, that's kind of parallel to that, it, having its own entity in a way based on how many people are giving so much thought and energy toward it. Yeah. Now we're back on American Gods. I mean, that's right. Like, you, you just described the plot, surely. Really? Yeah. yeah. Cool. yeah. I need to check that out because Doug, this reminds me, have I talked about that mushroom trip before on our <laughs> podcast or this one? Where I... I actually have a recording of it where I went on a rant with my mate. You know, she was sit tripping for me. And she comes in and I was like, babe, um, I had this thing of like, it was a Mormon one and how the collective, if, if you have a few million Mormons or a few million active Mormons and they're all putting their energy into an entity, it becomes its own entity out there. Yeah. And then what happens is that if you're uh, President Nelson or someone you're you can tap into that energy and be like okay how how do i support you how do we grow you and they say well missionary the entity says well missionaries need to like go out at 18 now we need to we need to control the youth a little bit more right and so 
to them, maybe they're receiving revelation. It's just who you're receiving revelation from and what, what source you're tapping into. And so if you're t- tapping into this collective egregore, if it's similar, I don't know, then maybe you're getting whatever that vibration is. Different information. Different information. Yeah. Different perspective. Mike, you, you, you got to read American Gods by Neil Gaiman, dude. You're, it's, it'll, you, it, I know you well enough to know that that book will really be up your alley. I mean, you'll, and you'll learn apologies about, you know, Odin and, and, and Isis. And I mean, it, check it out. I'll, it's a cool I, I listened to it and Neil yeah. Gaiman reads it and it's amazing. So I do yeah. it before or after Dune. Neil, do you know Dune? Or Neil, Neil. Yeah. I said Neil because I was thinking of Neil Gaiman. Glenn, do you know? Do you know Dune? <laughs> I I don't mind being uh, mistaken for Neil Gaiman. That that's yeah, a that first. That's a cool. Compliment. That is a compliment. Um, I I don't, but I'm looking forward to the movie that that's coming out. Uh, but I haven't read the books or anything. But I know that people love it and hated the first movie that came out. Um, but yeah, so I've seen the trailers for the new one and they've intrigued me about it. So are are you a, a Dune apologist and you're gonna like tell me? Just the, the movie is going to suck no matter what it is. I need to read the book. Well, Dune was next on my reading list because of Doug. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. it's an I don't know if I should bump it to number two. Uh, you know, I just wanna... um, do Neil, do um, do American Gods first. Uh, Dune. So I read Dune when I was first like 14 years old and didn't understand a lick of it. Mm. And then I read it again when I got back from my mission and loved it and went back and, you know, went to like, great American video or blockbuster video and rented the, the old eighties movie. Mm. And it's just awful. Like, the, yeah, you know, that's the what 80s I heard. Movie's awful. Yeah. But I am excited. I, I'm not an Apollo. I, I do have a, a lot of hope for the, the new movie coming out just because yeah. I think they're going to make it, make it multiple movies. And it's something tell, that tell the story better than the first. Attempt yeah. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that really does play well to be drawn. I, I mean, they could do it as an HBO series and that would be probably the best way to do it. But mm. yeah, I, I believe in Denis Villeneuve or however, however the hell you say that guy's name. So. All right. I mean, I'll, I'll use, I'll use one of my uh, compiled audible credits on Dune. Do I it. can't wait to I'll talk to y'all about Dune. I okay. fucking love that. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> All right. So I just want to sum up the first clip. It's all about imagination. <laughs> there, there was one part of it at the beginning that we didn't really touch on that she, she talked about um, the, the, the importance of remembering all of the aspects of ourselves. So there's people that are waking up to all the aspects of their selves. And that can, that can, be, that can mean a lot of things. Because <laughs> like all aspects of yourself, what do you mean? One of the things I really like about that is the em- embracing the, you know, we kind of joked about the shadow parts at, at the beginning of this call, like instead of wanting to hide from these horrible things that are and that happen or ignore them or bury them or whatever, you, you embrace them and accept them. And I, I think that's a big part of healing um, in, in the Carl Jung sense of, of being whole, embracing that wholeness. So I really like that part of what she said too. Um, all right. You ready for the next clip? So earth, you know, earth is part of our consciousness. She's a living, breathing entity spinning through space. She has her own consciousness. And like we talked about, she's in her ascension process. She's already moved to 4d. And that's why we're seeing so much polarity in the planet. 
but all beings on the planet are part of her body. So you're part of her body. You are like one cell on top of the earth, moving and evolving with her. We're not separate from her. Does that make sense? All right. What do you guys think of that idea about the earth being a living creature and people being like cells on the earth? My first thought is just really sad because we're killing her. (laughs) Humans are killing mother earth. And if you would have asked me this three years ago, I would have been like, Kimber, I don't know about this. But having experienced spirits of plants that I've consumed, I have a different perspective of consciousness and what it means to be, quote, alive. Uh, I don't think you have to have a heartbeat in order to have some sort of intelligence or consciousness behind you. Yeah. So, yeah, I could get on board with earth being a living breathing thing and us being part of her because of course we're all born of basically like the dust of the earth and we turn into dust of the earth when we die and it it all makes sense that our bodies would be a living breathing organism connected to the earth and our souls are just the ones that drop in to experience it drop in from where from other dimensions but Other times, are, are, are we still pretending that it's not all just one? <laughs> well, no, I don't. <clears throat> I think we're all connected as a consciousness in some way, but I, I definitely still believe that there are other places than mm. earth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So did she say that earth has already ascended to 40? Yeah. It's in the process. Yeah. So is it in the process or is it already ascended? I guess that's where I'm confused. Oh, I thought she said in the process, but I could be wrong. I thought she said like, we're in the process, but the earth has already ascended to it. Oh, you're right. She did yeah, say that. I think so. Um, I don't know what that means. I was just clarifying. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. What are your thoughts on this, Doug? Well, I think, I think Glenn, you started talking about it when we, when we first jumped on, um, you know, your, your body is a, culmination or, or, a, or a collection of a bunch of uh, living cells that are separate but part of you I, analogy for the earth I mean the proof I mean the earth is a living entity and is and the proof is that everything on the earth is a is a living entity and we are just a collection of those uh, living breathing cells that make up the earth I mean Mike mentioned or excuse me Shalice mentioned that we're killing the earth, but probably not. Um, we're, we're probably more like a virus that can be, I mean, the earth has gone through multiple extinction events is fine and will be fine long after humans or whatever this version of humans is. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I fully believe that we are simply apples on the uh, the way that, or that we, we as humans are the fruit of the earth, the way that apples are to an apple tree. I, I say that a lot, but I, I, that's, I believe that's what we are. Is that, is that an Alan Watts poll? I think that's a Doug poll. Oh, <laughs> last name. Sorry. <laughs> oh, do you not do your last name on this? I, yeah, I, I don't do my last name for anonymity okay. reasons, but yeah. So you want me to edit there's that any out? way we can pull that little part. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Um, yeah, that do, do you listen to Alan Watts? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 was a, a like one of the big um, influences 
of Alan Watts changing my view of things. And it's kind of why I was teasing you a little bit, Shalise, about like drop in from where, because Alan Watts talks about like um, our common way of speaking is that we came to this earth or we came down to the, you know, or like we're coming to it from somewhere else. He's like, no, we grew out of it. Like an apple grows out of a tree kind of thing. So that, that's why I was playing around. Oh, with that so idea. it is yeah, an element. I would, yeah. I would argue that that's not the case though. You can. That me. Yeah. I would argue that, yeah, our body came out of the earth, but our soul didn't come out of the bottom of the earth or the center of the earth. Yeah. How, how do you view what a soul is? A soul, I think, is just pure consciousness or a different vibrational field of energy that's separate from our body in a way. Because if it weren't separate, then when our body dies, we would die. Right? Say that again. When our body dies, we would die? If our souls weren't separate from our body, then when our bodies died, we would also perish. We would cease to exist. If they oh, were the soul, the soul would? And, and if they were inseparable, right. Hmm. So I, I believe that they're separate. Yeah. I... I... I don't know what it is, <laughs> so I'll, I'll just just clar- clarify with that. The, the way that I like to think about a soul is more like um, the quantum energy that's in like down, down, down <laughs> in every cell and every molecule and every atom that makes that up. Like there's this energy that animates everything that the energy does something and becomes hydrogen or oxygen you put two hydrogens and one oxygen together you get a water molecule you put that with some carbon and you get you know other things and that that's the soul and that's the spirit is that energy that underlies everything that isn't separate but it's it's organized in a way that creates this sense of separation and this illusion of separation so that when the the physical body dissolves that energy that makes it up still exists and is still part of like the fabric matrix of everything that exists. That's, that's the way that I envision it, but I don't know what it is, but I like this idea of earth being alive and we're, um, we're things that have grown out of it. We, We are the earth. Like an apple is the tree that it grew out of and it has the seeds inside of it that then are going to create that cycle over and over and over again. Um, that we are the earth. And I, that's what I heard her saying. We're not separate from it. And um, the, the, the damage or the danger that we're doing to it can be countered. And I think is in the next clip, she talks about that a little bit. Well, and uh, just, I love that idea too, because, you know, ever since Doug, you know, like when I get on mushrooms, I love to touch a good tree. <laughs> <laughs> And even not on mushrooms. I mean, I, you know, I see a tree and kind of like you just feel the energy of the tree for a bit. Um, and even I think it was in our we had a Mormons on Mushrooms share circle this Sunday. That was a really cool deal. But someone was or was it that or the meditation? One of the two. Someone was talking about meditating and was talking about chi and the chi energy. And I tried it afterwards and it was meditating and like just feeling the earth and the earth's energy. And my arms were like buzzing afterwards. And I don't know, that could all be my imagination, whatever. Or it it could be my imagination, you know, that's also tapping into the earth's energy. And whatever it is, I I love that idea. And thinking of the earth as a living being, 
um, it just resonates with me so much now uh, and so much more now than it did before, you know, I took mushrooms. <laughs> like if you think about the rainforest and, and all of the different types of life that are in that rainforest and that make it what it is and then contribute to creating a bunch of oxygen on the planet. It, but it's all of those, like every little insect, every little plant, every little mushroom, all of those things that are interacting together to create this thing. And that's kind of like what we've got going on inside of our bodies. <laughs> you know, like we've got all these bacteria and viruses and cells and molecules, all these things that are creating this. It's what the planet's doing. It's what we are as part of it. And th this is another idea that came from Alan Watts, but it just really rocked my world. Um, this idea that the earth is growing an external brain that humans are like the, the cells that we're part of, that we're almost like neurons that are passing, relaying information and seeing how we're creating the, the uh, like with our telecommunications, creating this neural network where we're connecting uh, in ways that we never have before. I, I see this really um, huge potential that humanity has to create a connection it, like a conscious connection that underlies the unconscious connection that's been working behind the scenes the whole time. Does that make sense? Totally. Like there's this deep inner intelligence inside of our bodies that we're not even consciously aware of. And we're, we're, it's kind of like pushing us and driving us and we're recreating that in, into consciousness. Anyway, <laughs> I get excited and geeked out about these kinds of things, even when I have COVID. <laughs> um, i'm with y'all like uh i'm somewhere in the space where i agree with shalice and glenn at the same time yeah um because i don't know I, I i don't know what what we call a soul or what we call awareness or conscious i don't know what that is i feel like there's a deep wisdom in the earth i feel like there's you know mike you and i've talked about it. I, I feel like there's a wisdom in the trees and uh, Glenn, when, when, the, I mean, not just the rainforest, sorry, my dog, but sorry, the, you know, but the rainforest, like it's breathing. Like it, when we're getting into that, we can, we can watch it. Shit. I got to mute for a second. I love your dog. Don't mute. Don't you dare mute him. All right. All right. Let, let, let him, let his bark echo across the internet. <laughs> I mean, he's reacting to something, you know what I mean? So there's yeah. some kind of weird aware. Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, speaking of, of energy, I do have a story about like feeling and seeing energy in a very real way. When, when I was a missionary, I spent time with a, a guy who was a Kung Fu master. I was in Taiwan, Glenn, just uh, for your info. So I was in Taiwan. Love it. This student, uh, Guo Qiliang, was a, a Kung Fu master. And as a young, you know, 20-year-old missionary, I was like, what's up with this chi? Chi is, a, I mean, a big thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, chi is just energy. Yeah. And he's like, well, I can show you. And so he put his hand like this against the small of my back and gave me like a, gave me like a punch to the, my lower back, my kidney. And yeah, I could feel that. Like it's, it's, that's flesh hitting flesh. I could really feel that. And he's like, and, and here's what it would feel like if I was moving the energy and he did the same thing and he, he stopped short of touch it. Like, so he, he's going like this with his hand and he stops short of touching my flesh, my skin. Mm 
And I feel, a, I mean, this is maybe imagination, maybe me wanting to believe something or whatever you want to call it. But I felt a bolt go from the small of my back all the way to the other side or like on, on my lower belly and stuff like that. And that rocked my world as a 20 year old Mormon missionary. I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> did you think so, it was the devil? Yeah, I did. I thought he was possessed <laughs> by the devil. That's, I, that's, I was like ready to cast it out. You know, that's a real deal. Holy smokes. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Next clip from Kimber. So like you've gone through your dark nights of the soul. If you're in this class, I'm sure you've gone through like, you know, the collapsing of everything, the dark night of soul, it's the river of change. When we go through the dark night of the soul, you're on one side of the river, you go into the river, the river takes away everything you thought you knew, relationships, jobs, belief structures, and you're left in that river of change of this darkness. But what the river of change does is really get you connected to your higher self. It gets you connected to the divine. It gets you connected to who you truly are. It takes away all those outside noises. And then when you come out of the river of change is your new life. And so earth is actually going through the river of change right now. She's going through her dark night of the soul. We're in a collective dark night of the soul right now. Right. When I listened to that, I thought anybody who listens to infants on thrones or Mormons on mushrooms has experienced some kind of faith crisis, some kind of dark night of the soul and can, you know, whether you've lost jobs and gotten COVID or (laughs) divorces or, you know, like any other things um, going through these changes and transitions, you can, you can see, okay, that there is a role that it played in me becoming who I am. You know, she talked about it as these, these struggles that help you find out who you truly are. And I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think that means? Like how, how do, I mean, do you think that struggles connect you to who you really are? And if so, how does that happen? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want me to start? I'll start. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I can just speak from my own experience. So my dark night of the soul was, uncovering memories of childhood abuse and then getting the confirmation from the abuser and then breaking up with my boyfriend and then moving into a house with a guy that was extremely controlling. It was just a renter situation, but then he gave me a 12 hour notice to move out. And then I was homeless for two weeks. Mm. All of this happened within a span of like two months (laughs) Uh, so that was definitely the dark night of the soul for me. And that's when I asked the universe for help. I was like, okay, I'm ready. Bring on the therapist. Let's do this. Um, so that's when I met Kimber and that's when I met other healers and started on this path of self-discovery. And I think the reason why you find yourself it, the darkest time is because all of the other layers are forced to peel away and you're forced to look at yourself in the mirror in a way that you haven't before. And you're forced to ask yourself the difficult questions and face all of the different mirrors of your life that you've been avoiding, or you just haven't seen before. Yeah. It leaves you with a really raw version of yourself when you're just there alone, whether you're crying or just sitting at home, it's just very humbling to sit there with yourself and 
to really decide where you want to go from there. And I think that's why it's so powerful is because the only way you can go is up or anywhere that you want, literally anywhere after that, you kind of rewrite your life and decide which direction you want it to go instead of being stuck in old patterns or an old job or an old relationship, whatever it is. It's just very liberating in a way. Yeah, that's, that's been my experience too. Like every time I've had one of those things crumble away, uh, you know, like losing a job or getting divorced or leaving the Mormon church, that there was something about that, that I was terrified of. I was terrified. Oh, if, if my marriage ends, I'm just going to be ruined. If, if my job, I'm never going to make money again. If I leave the church, I'm never going to make it to the celestial kingdom. You know, like whatever I feel like going through that experience and seeing, oh, I was actually okay. It actually all works out. That's where a lot of that liberation takes place for me is because I'm like, okay, so what are these other things then that I might be afraid of that I actually don't really need to be afraid of? And um, just like going through that crucible, those, those dark nights of the soul, they keep coming. <laughs> I keep having experiences like that. But each, each time one comes up, it's like, okay, all right, there's going to be something on the other side of this that I can make it. And um, yeah, that's been my experience with it. So I, 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 res- I um, respond to that in a, in a real uh, positive way. I, do, maybe I'm asking the three of you, do you feel like because of your current okayness or your, your present level of like, oh, things are fine, and then this dark, trials and tribulations that we go through that they trying to say this but they but they lose some kind of weight with me i i you know and and the things that shalice you talked about and then glenn that you talked about i I, a lot of the stuff i have not gone through I have gone through leaving the church i have gone through heartbreak i have gone through thinking i was going to lose a child Mm -hmm. um but as I think about it right now, because of my current state of, I almost feel a sense of uh, shame is not the right word, but almost like embarrassment for myself of how seriously I took it in that moment in my memory. You know, I, I think about it was or how I thought, oh, this is, things are never going to be okay again. Because in the moment you're going through that darkness, you're going through that pain. And I guess I get into this like death by comparison or this like, you know, I I compare Glenn, your trials, Mike, your trials, Shalice, your trials. And I also compare my current, oh, like my current right now, totally fineness with my past or my historical memory trials. And I'm like, it's, it's just not ever been that bad. Like, why was I taking it so seriously? So I, I get into my own head about these kinds of things. I'm curious if that's something that uh, you experience or if that's just me being arrogant. No, I think it's a part of the process, Doug. Yeah. That's how totally. I see it. Um, and it's fascinating. This is coming up again. I just had lunch with a kind of a magical human yesterday for lunch. And he's actually going to be a guest on our podcast coming up sometime, but he, he's an ex-Mormon, but specializes in helping people through transitions, whether it be a divorce or a loss of faith or, or you're becoming an empty nester now or, you know, switching careers. Um, and 
so Doug, when you say that, yeah, it, with every, you know, it's, it's funny how I do this with my therapist a lot where we reflect back on like the last year and be like, remember all those things you were worried about and how the ego is so bad at predicting. Well, the thing is the ego is going to keep dying these little deaths. And every time I'm going to be wrapped up in it again and think, oh, I can't possibly get through this one. Can't possibly. So there is a, a, an element of we're going to get caught up in those same cycles. The more you go through them and the more you see them, I think the more you can at least in those spaces be like, okay, I know this feels impermanent or this feels hopeless. I know that's what it feels like right now, but I know tomorrow can be different. I know this is a wave that will pass, but even just saying that to yourself, it's, it's almost just like a faith that it will or a hope that it will, but you're still going through the tunnel. So it still feels hopeless at the time. And so I don't think there's any way around that, you know? And so when I have my next, you know, tower moment where, you know, the tower and tarot is when like things change and everything comes crumbling down, I'm going to be going through the same thing and the same, like, Oh, I can't, this, this is the one that's going to get me, you know? Um, and, but when she called it the river, what'd she call it? The river of change, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Change. Yeah. There's an element to, because like when, for example, when I left the Mormon church, I, it wasn't just the Mormon church that I was grieving. I was grieving this sense that I, a sense of security and having all the right answers, a sense of superiority in that I was on a special mission, um, a sense in uh, just thinking that like, yeah, that like, for example, my wife and I, we are now married for eternity. We know where we're going to go in the afterlife, the sense of like false security. And so when you grieve that, it wasn't just grieving the church, it's grieving that my ego now doesn't attach to like security in the same way it did. It's been changed. And now it's tried other things, but so in other words, as whatever the grief is, whether it's a loss of a loved one or, uh, you know, a job transition, divorce, loss of religion, each of those shifts and those changes that you grieve are shifting your ego. And you're, I guess you, Kimber might even say kind of like, you're dropping those lower vibrational frequencies, you're letting those go, and now you're a little lighter and you can resonate at a higher frequency more often because you've, you're letting that go. And that's kind of how I see it. And it's just fascinating this coming up now, especially since even we, we released today on Mormons on Mushrooms, that episode on death and mm. grieving with Leanne. And we talk a lot about just like fully feeling and fully grieving when, when a death comes, whether it's an actual like death of a loved one or a death, a mini death that you suffer every, every day, we kind of go through a mini death. I think that's interesting, Mike, that you're talking about the safety net or the false sense of security that we have as Mormons. Because then I thought, oh, right, it, it is an identity loss and it is a faith crisis, but also you're losing your safety net. And that's what's so scary about it. And then I thought, okay, well, what do we replace the safety net with, like where we are now? And then I think there isn't one because it's just possibility. We replace the known with possibility. We replace the known with possibility. We replace the known with possibility. We replace the known with, with possibility. And we replace the known in with a possibility. world replace of your imagination with possibility, which is so much more exciting anyway. 
Mm -hmm. I love that. But it's unknown, right? Right. Uh -huh. All right. Next clip from Kimber. The way I see it is like in, in the 1940s, Earth put out a call because when the atomic bomb went off, it created a ripple. It was so intense. It created a ripple through the cosmos. It actually fractured so many souls that, that were engaged in that energy. And we've been trying to clean up that energy. And with these bombs, you know, Earth is like, mayday, mayday. These humans are causing a lot of distortions. They're going to destroy me and destroy this living library of light. And so when Earth put out the call, a lot of us raised our hands and were like, we were done with the third density experience. We were done with Earth already. We had graduated. And then with that call, we're like, I'll go. I'll go down and I'll help Earth because I love her so much. And we spiral our consciousness down. We go through the veil of forgetting. We go through the zone of choice and we come back here to third density. And a lot of us get here and go, oh shit, what the hell have I done? <laughs> All right. Ooh, uh, ooh, man, that's that's some that's some triggering stuff for me because it gets into M send me and the council of you know heaven when God's trying to figure out everybody you know to go down all these intelligences and it's like okay well the noble the and great ones yeah I get really I get really feeling like a noble and great one because it's like you know every generation is like oh in heaven the you're gonna say oh i lived during you know abraham lincoln and the other person gonna be like oh i, I lived you know during genghis khan and then you're i lived during gordon b hinckley or thomas <laughs> f not s monson or gordon or uh russell m nelson and there's gonna be a hush that falls over the corridors of heaven everybody's gonna like bow to you like oh, <laughs> toughest time and it's like come on what uh -huh. so i'm will i am ready to retool the phrasing that she used and embrace it i'm ready for it but i need your help i need the three of you to help me on this because mm. it's very triggering to me because i do not like the idea of being like yeah. yo i'm from the called and chosen and elect and noble and great ones i, I get nervous about that kind of stuff <laughs> It brings that, back those Saturday's Warriors vibe, right? Saturday's yeah, Warrior. Yeah, it's right. everything I was ever in. It's every gospel doctor or excuse me, Sunday school lesson I was ever in. It's like, you guys are like pretty chosen. Like you're pretty darn cool. And it's like, yeah. are we just beating each other off here? Like what is going on? <laughs> That's what I was saying in the beginning, whether this is like, you know, like Saturday's Warrior, like who are these children coming down? Yeah. Um is that something that I'm now just attaching to a new narrative of that because I uh -huh. like that one so much? Or was, you know, the writers of Saturday's Warrior, you know, they were tapping into this sense of I'm here for a mission. At the time, they thought that mission was Mormonism, but and maybe that was part of it, part of this whole, maybe Mormonism was part of this whole awakening journey. And they were playing their role in that and they were remembering it and... And I don't know. <laughs> well, in, in Kimber's defense now, I really wish I would have followed my instinct and added another clip to this mix um, because she, she made a point when, when she was, she was defining like star seeds and wanderers in these different terms. And she said, she's made a point of saying, now a lot of people out there will go into spiritual ego about this kind of stuff. And that's exactly what you were just describing and, and what you have that knee-jerk reaction against, Doug. And, and I share that with you as well. And she's like, anybody who's doing that, 
they're missing the point. Another thing I like to really point out that, you know, you see a lot of things like on Instagram or TikTok and it's like, oh, I'm a Palladian being. (laughs) And it's like a starseed is highly evolved and doesn't brag about being a starseed. It's just, it just is. It doesn't become a new ego construct. It doesn't become like a new version of themselves that they're projecting as an egoic veil. Does that make sense? Um... So it's easy to fall into those ego traps, but remembering a truly advanced being really tries not to fall into those ego traps. And I think the, you know, we've got the human ego, but one of the most dangerous egos is the spiritual ego because that's, it's very elusive. You don't know you're in a spiritual ego until it's too late. And then you're like, oh, geez, <laughs> crap, oops. And then you, you pull it back and you don't fall into those ego traps. Um, you just remembering you came to experience Earth, and she's like anybody who's doing that, they're missing the point. You know, like, like pe- people that really are highly evolved aren't in it for the glory. <laughs> they're not bragging about it. Um, so maybe if I, I yeah. So she, so she did make that point. So as far as Kimber is concerned, she's she's anti uh, spiritual ego <laughs> so, so De- t- definitely on that like that she she said something very similar to that when we recorded with her and yeah. then even then it was it was a little triggering for me and i and i i kind of got into this thing i think the problem is i need to reclaim a little bit of that and understand that it's not about taking the glory of that of yes i am the chosen one i am the yeah. chosen elect it, it's just a it it, it 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 speaks to my own insecurities of oh, I'm so glad you said that. I don't want to be chosen. I don't I'm there's nothing special about me. Kimber, when Kimber says it, I'm like, yeah, girl, there is something very special about you. I mean, she is enlightened and glows. But it comes down to me getting in that imposter syndrome and that insecurity thing of like, don't include me in that sentence because I thought that at one point and I got really uh I really hated myself about that. And I don't want to go back down that path. Yeah. I, I think I think there's a difference between like the the form and the function. So like the the story that is being told, and then the way that you're using that story. Um, and and if you if you're using that story to lift yourself up to make yourself better than other people, um, I think that's what you're having a hard time with. And you associate that function with the story itself. So now anytime you hear any story that is even similar to that story, you just have this knee jerk reaction to it. And, but you could, you could adopt that story and have a different function, have it be something where you're not really lifting yourself up. You're seeing, Oh, this is a way, what, what this is saying, if I identify as one of these star seed people, that means that, I do have the ability to use my imagination to create the kind of healing that when I go through a dark night of the soul, I can see the hidden gifts. I can see the benefits, not just for myself, but for other people. And I can be very compassionate and I can be very loving and I'm not making it about me. I'm making about them. And I can do that with my, my imagination in a way that I I'm very dexterous with my imagination and I can, uh, tell a story this way <laughs> to make somebody feel better about themselves or something like that. I don't know. What, what do you think about that, Doug? 
Yeah, well said. I'll have to sit with that. Me too. I don't even know what I just said. I'll have to go back and listen to it. <laughs> no okay, but I got, I, that or not. I, got something here. Right I got on. something here. I think this is the difference. This is how I see it. The, the whole up on your high horse, spiritually chosen and Mormonism. I think the difference is you're special because you're part of the one true church on the planet and you accepted the church and you are going to the highest kingdom of heaven because of that church. That's the only reason you're chosen and special, not because of you as a soul, because of your own unique abilities to help people or to just be a light to those around you. And being like a star seed or someone that came that chose to help the ascension of the planet, like Kimber said, you're special because of you, because of your own energetic signature, not because of who you belong to, not because of where you were raised, not because of the religion that you are, or even your beliefs, just because your vibrational signature is special and it creates a ripple effect. And so I think as Mormons, we're taught to believe that we're not uniquely special souls. We're just blessed because we were born into the right church or we're just righteous enough to be in the the most right church. I don't know. I think it's different because it's like religious hierarchy versus just thinking of yourself as a soul being so awesome. <laughs> and we're told that we can't don't be vain, be humble. And we're constantly told not to listen to our intuition. I mean, follow the Holy Ghost if it's what we tell you is right then you're hearing the holy ghost and if it's not what we tell you is right then it's satan so there's no trust in yourself there is no giving yourself this boost of yeah i'm a freaking awesome soul i'm great and i help those around me it's it's very tied to the religion itself oh i love that jalice i was even thinking in terms of you know uh the divisiveness that comes or the, you know, white colonialism that we talk about with like Mormonism and more missionary work and stuff. But this instead becomes more of a, what we were in talking about, like, or like all of humanity is in this together and we should all bring our own unique gifts to it. And it doesn't matter what religion you were born in or what religion you want to go into now, we're all in it together. And not only just humanity, but it becomes, I think we mentioned this on one of our episodes, interspecies collaboration. Yeah. Like we're collaborating with, with all the species of the earth. And, and the, the Pleiadians. Itself. And Pleiadians, yeah. And the beings <laughs> from other, you know, it's like, we're all in this together here. Um, and that has a different vibe to it. And I, and I love that. And it's also a vibe of embracing your own unique you and your own unique gifts and leaning into those more and being being willing to just like yeah uh let your freak flag fr- uh, fly i can never <laughs> say that without tripping up my words i try to <laughs> but another thing another thing that kimber says is sometimes your mission is just to come down and stop i mean i, I don't know if you have this clip on here glenn or not just to stop the bloodlines, the negative patterning and the mm. bloodlines. So to stop abuse, to, to stop alcoholism. So it may not be that you have this big mission to like save all the kids in a third world country, but maybe your mission is just to come down and stop these negative patterns so that eventually when more kids are born, they're born into more love and more joy and less suffering. 
Um, and she said, that's another way that we're helping heal the planet is just by coming down and volunteering to have these difficult childhoods or difficult lives for whatever reason to end the patterns that were in your family before you. Yeah. And I, I think, I think this is another example of that egregore idea that we talked about earlier, because that it, it's that egregore of b- being on your high horse and thinking that you're so much better than other people that is so disgusting. And it doesn't really matter what story that idea is attached to. If anybody has that kind of thing where they think they're better than other people and they're entitled than other people, it's just, it's a turnoff. I, I think. I, I agree. I agree with you. And it, it, it's almost like I, because I think that on a different day, I probably would be representing a different, maybe a different side of this conversation, but based on the day that I kind of had today, and it's been kind of a little bit of a week for me, like, I feel like yeah. I'm smack dab in the middle of the pride cycle of the Lamanites here, you know, yeah. <laughs> like or the Nephites. I, and so it becomes this thing where today I'm representing like, ew, I don't want to be yeah. anywhere near my high horse or anywhere near the chosen or anywhere near having anything special about me. But there are days, um, when I'm like, oh, I can let my light shine and and really uplift people and, and connect people and and connect, you know, feel connected myself. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just confused. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know. I don't know is the most powerful statement for me. And so anytime we talk about like feeling like we know something, I get nervous. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got one final clip, and this is the biggest one. There's a lot, there's a lot to unpack. And this is the one that's going to tie it all together so that we all know. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> we know. <laughs> there's no right or wrong in any of this because as humans, we're just trying to understand the concepts of the whole vastness of reality. So dimension is not something out there. It's not a place as all dimensions occupy the same space. And you can think of a dimension as a way of perceiving reality. It's a point of view. So In the first dimension, we see a dot. The second is a line. The third dimension, we experience reality in height, depth, and width. So if we add time and space, we have the fourth dimension. And as you raise your consciousness and perception, you can see a higher dimensional perspective and all the other dimensions below it. So I I like to think of it as like viewing reality from the top of a pyramid, the apex of a pyramid. So knowing the second dimension exists within the third, the third dimension exists within the fourth, the fourth dimension exists within the fifth or the fifth, yeah, fourth and the fifth. And so when we get above the fourth dimensions, we move out of measurement. We move out of time. So when you're in the fifth dimensional consciousness, you see things from a non-linear perspective. Um, We have a more unified vision in that fifth dimensional perspective. The way we elevate to the higher dimensional perspectives is to uh, expand our understanding as to the truth of who we are and the nature of reality. So it's understanding that we are part of the whole of creation and that we're not actually separate from source. I can still see and be aware of the third dimensional experience, but I'm not as affected by it. Sometimes it like passes through, but there's less interference. And so that's what we mean by ascending. We raise our conscious to a certain level of dimension. And how we do it is by 
releasing limited belief systems, thought forms, programs, templates. We're all programmed by the time we're seven. We'll talk about that probably next week. Um, so, and it's, it's trusting all it is. It's trusting and, you know, meeting everything that comes at you with an open heart. It's understanding that everything is for your growth. Everything is for your ascension. Everything is for you, not to you. Um, and then it's saying that we're, you know, it's also the fifth dimension is already here. So yes, we are taking our physical bodies to the fifth dimension because the fifth dimension is here. It's just a perspective. It's trusting all that is. I love that the first thing that she said, there's no right or wrong in what we're talking about here because we're just trying from a very limited perspective to understand the vastness of reality. And there are so many different ways that people come to this place of trust, trusting like the, the old, you know, that there's many paths up to the top of Mount Fuji. What's at the top of Mount Fuji here from that 5d perspective is trusting that everything is working out for the good, trusting that everything is part of the whole dropping judgment, being compassionate, being loving, accepting everything that, that comes with openness an open heart. Man, I just love that. And it doesn't matter to me what stories or symbols or anything that people are using to get to that place, like to, to get to that place and to be in that place is such like a, a beautiful, wonderful place to be after going through a dark night of the soul that, oh man, I, I just, I love anything that takes somebody there genuinely. What do you guys think? Well, it reminds me of just how you're treating co your COVID diagnosis today, Glenn, <laughs> yeah. in a way, right? Yeah. I was kind of like, what am I going to learn from this? This is a teaching moment, you know? I've um, had so many internal imaginary conversations with this virus inside of me. <laughs> <laughs> Channel COVID here. Um, yeah. yeah, but um, I, I love that. And it's, um, and it's really hard after that dark night of the soul, especially leaving Mormonism, to trust in almost anything again because you were taught to trust and that trust was, you were betrayed in a way or that trust. Um, but it goes back to what Shalise was saying. That was a trust in something outside of you, not inside of you. And when you start really trusting that this reality that I'm creating is giving me the experiences that I need in every moment to teach me, to help me get back to myself, you know, we're all walking each other home and yeah, I just, I, I love it. Are, are you in a better place for having gone through your Mormon faith crisis? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, this came up in a conversation yesterday at lunch is not only, I feel like I'm a better place for growing up in my Mormon faith crisis, but where I'm getting it to the point now is that I'm in a better place for growing up Mormon. Mm -hmm. And that's a shift for me. Yeah. Cause for the last eight years, I've wished that my child, my childhood was childhood, especially like my young adulthood was different that I didn't go to two years in Brazil on a mission that instead I went to, you know, Doug, we went to college earlier and got drunk and went to uh, parties and, you know, and experienced life more traveled, you know, I don't know. Uh, but I'm now getting to the point where, um, you know, it still comes up and I get bitter at the church here and there, but especially when Elder Holland or someone spouts off some stuff, but uh, I'm yeah. getting to the point now where it's like, I'm grateful for 
Mormonism for teaching me discipline, learning a foreign language, experiencing a different culture, uh, learning how to uh, tap into my intuition, even if they also simultaneously taught me to mistrust my int intuition, but learning that just the experiences that I learned through Mormonism and how it's playing out in my life now too, and how it's serving me now, I'm getting to that place. And that's a cool place to, to cool. I feel, I, I love being at that, at that place where I can look back and with more gratitude than bitterness. Nice. Welcome that's to 5D, great. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I am still very much in the 3D when it comes to Mormonism. I don't know. <laughs> like, part of me was so triggered by everything you just said, Mike. I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> There's still a lot of work that I have to do. And There's I thought a river I was, you have to walk through, I guess. <laughs> I thought I was over it, too. I guess, I don't know. I've been trying to reevaluate my past as a Mormon and think, was I actually happy or was I just delusional? Because I was such like a picture perfect Mormon and did all the right things. I went to all the activities and I, you know, said all the right things. Um, and I don't know, I just still carried so much guilt and shame and a lot of things that I just don't love that I still have to work through. And maybe that's part of my, my soul's expansion. I'm sure it is in some way, but I'm still trying to get rid of the bitterness there. Not going to lie. Shalise, have you, have you had experiences with mushrooms or on your ayahuasca experiences where you have felt like, oh, in this moment right now, I'm grateful for everything. I'm even grateful for the Mormon. I'm grateful for all that past. Have you, have you experienced that? No, I've actually gone back to more traumatic memories as a mm. Mormon. <laughs> mm. Like, oh, that time with the bishop that was completely inappropriate <laughs> that yeah. I forgot about. Yeah, like, yeah. that's the type of stuff that comes out for me. So that's how I know that there's still a lot of trauma trapped in those memories, deeply seated memories mm. being in the church. Um, and I guess... I don't know. And maybe I'm sure you guys have a different perspective, but when I hear the, well, the Mormon church taught me this, this, and that, I just get mad because I'm like, well, you don't have to be in a cult to learn how to respect your parents, or you don't have to be in a cult to learn how to have a moral compass. And so I think that there's so many things that, yeah, the Mormon church did teach me a few things, but I didn't have to grow up a Mormon to learn those things. Plenty of people in the world have the same values and we're never in Mormonism. So that's why I still get a little bitter. Can, can I double click on that a little bit with you, Shalise? Sure. Okay. <laughs> double click on that. That's a good phrase. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's digging back to my Bob Caswellisms in here uh, from uh, early infants days, double clicking. So, so what I'm, what I'm hearing you say, Shalise, is that you have a lot of resistance. Like if, if somebody says, I'm grateful for the Mormon church for teaching me how to X, Y, or Z, you're like, you don't need the Mormon church. You could have learned that from any other place. You know, you, so you could have done that, if, right? You saying the words, I'm grateful to the Mormon church for yeah. my stomach went and yeah. like, just did not feel good. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you've, you've got, so any resistance to somebody expressing gratitude to the Mormon church, like gratitude, Mormon church, uh -uh, that's not going to fly for you. There's just like a ton of resistance there. Um, And, and really it, it, whether, whether somebody could have learned that in another place or not, it's kind of irrelevant to the actual history of what happened. And so for somebody to, to be able to say, I, I went through this experience and now I'm able to look at it through a lens of gratitude instead of something else. That's still like for that person, maybe that's great. But for you, that still is not, uh, it just doesn't sit well because like Mormon church and gratitude, you cannot put those two things together. Yeah. I don't know. That's something that I'm going to have to sit with because mm-hmm. I've never even thought about that until this very moment, mm-hmm. because I will say I'm the person that I am because of my past and like the accumulation of experiences that led me here is why I'm this way. Everyone can say that it's basic, but, but I don't, it is basic. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's, it's basic knowledge is what I'm saying. Everyone always says, well, I wouldn't be who I was today if it weren't for my past. Well, yeah, (laughs) that's kind of just how it is. That's true. Everyone on earth can say that. Right. That's what I'm saying. And so you can either be grateful for that or you can resent it or there's like different ways that you can look at it, but it's, it is what it is. Right. But what I'm saying is I think if my mission were to end up who I am today, I think there's a million different paths that could have gotten me there. I don't think that growing up Mormon was the only way to make me into a strong, independent woman who can speak her mind. And I don't know, kind of argue, but not really argue debate with three grown men on a podcast. I don't know. I think that there are many different paths that could have got me there. So for me to 100% say, I am just so grateful for my past because it made me who I am. It doesn't resonate with me. Yeah. Please. I love it when you bring me heat like this. Love bring this Leo <laughs> Man, energy. Bring here. Some heat. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like ev- everything you're sometimes. saying is absolutely true and legit. Like <laughs> it's, it, no, it it's is. totally true. It is. And and here's the and here's the kicker, Shalise. I'm loving this conversation. And without the exact algorithm. Of all four of us growing up in the Mormon church, this fucking thing wouldn't be happening right now. So, girl, I'm thankful for what led me to today. There you go. There's Doug standing on top of the 5D pyramid looking down. Okay. Okay. Here's something. I am grateful that I grew up in a cult only (laughs) if for the reason that I could meet you three and talk about our horrific past. Same. And I'm happy to talk about a horrific past. Like, like what happened when uh, Kimber, that last clip, when, when Kimber was talking about the one D was, is the the one D's within the two D within the three D within the four. And then with what Mike just said and what Shalice just said, and Glenn, your double click on that. I am sitting here thinking about a thing that Shalice taught me, uh, which is I spend too much time thinking with my brain and mm. too much time trying to figure shit out and, and, and trying to like find the angles and find the like cute little things that can try to make me sound intelligent or, or funny <laughs> or whatever. And Shalice taught me to like slow things down a little bit and listen to my heart and think with my heart a little bit. Yeah. Cause honestly, my whole life I've thought with two organs, my, my brain <laughs> and my dick. And I've started learning from Shalice that 
if I can get into a space where I can think with my heart, that means a lot to me. Like it, 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 it lets me slow things down a little bit and it makes me, it helps me understand simultaneously what Mike just said and what Shalice just said, which were at odds with each other, you know, at, totally at odds with one another. Mike said, I'm grateful for my oh, Mormon background. See, now because- you've fallen off of the pyramid and you're back down at 3d because when you're oh. on top, you see that they're not, they're no odds. They're just like different parts of the same whole. Well, yeah. Well said. Well, well said. <laughs> but you know, what you said, Glenn reminded me of, uh, of Ram Das. Uh, when, if you can drop down into your soul, yeah, the soul loves everything. Oh yeah. That is such a hard concept for me because it's like, wait, really? Yeah. Yeah. Loves everything. Yes. <laughs> and I have to go down into my heart and see if I can contact my soul and see if I can pull it back pull it back, pull it up, whatever we want to say about this 5d or right. 12d or whatever. Like, I want to see if I can love everything. Can right. I simultaneously love yeah. not being Mormon and having been Mormon? Yeah. Can I simultaneously love Donald Trump and Joe right. Biden? Like, can yeah. I sim- right. <laughs> right. And you, Glenn, you said, I, you said it so well. I wish I could I, I wish I could quote you back, but you said almost the exact thing that Ram Das said, which is in your soul is understanding. Mm. And that understanding is love, yeah. love for yourself, love for your friends, love for your enemies, love for yeah. the things that you don't understand. Yeah. Love your and I'm thoughts, experiencing baby. that right now while the three of you are arguing about whether or not we should have been Mormon. <laughs> I didn't feel like there was an argument. Oh no, arguing is the wrong yeah. word, but I debating or discussing yeah. or pontificating, whatever the hell we want to say. So so I I'm gonna get Dune and I'm gonna listen to Dune and I've got a book for you. Okay. Nice. It's called Heart Minded by Sarah Blondin. It is oh, I gotta pull up my little my little awesome. Like if, if you haven't discovered Sarah Blondin yet, she's got a podcast called Live Awake. It is just absolutely gorgeous, beautiful sentiment. I just, I love, I love her, everything that she does. And so this book heart minded is so powerful. So, so like if you, if you feel, I mean, my first reaction when you said you're thinking too much with your mind was no, you're not. You're thinking just the right amount. (laughs) Be, be, be patient with yourself. You're doing it great. Um, but, but I, I heard this desire for you, like you're really grateful for Shalise for teaching you more to feel into things with your heart and kind of drop that kind of male energy. If I've got to dissect everything, I've got to understand yeah. it and, you know, be, be witty and intelligent yeah. and, you know, like all of that stuff and, and becoming more heart minded, the, the mind meet the heart, Sarah Blonde and just slays it. She does such a great job with it. So we, I can't, I can't recommend Sarah, that more. What's, what's her last name? Sarah, what? Blondin, B-L-O-N-D-I-N. Yeah. I'll check how to hold out. yourself and others in love. Is that one? Heart-minded, um, how to hold yourself and others in love. Maybe that's yeah. the subtitle to it. Yeah. Yeah. Done, dude. Great. I got, I got some Great, of those but... same credits you were talking about on Audible. Good, good, <laughs> good. Right on. Well, thanks for jumping on today, guys. Great. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. And Same, um, this has been great. Yeah. And, and uh, so how, how long is this class, Kimber? It's seven weeks or is it eight? Is, I think it's seven. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we have to do this after every week, but it'd be nice to do it a couple of, <laughs> couple more times and I'm down. share okay. some of this information. 
because to, to, to me, it like you summed it up perfectly, Doug, wanting to love everything. Like, how do you do that? How do you do that Ram Dass stuff? And one of, one of my most powerful um, altered consciousness experiences was with, um, it, it was an ayahuasca ceremony that the last day was uh, San Pedro. And so while I was on San Pedro, I had the intention, I want to know if this is possible, if, if God, whatever <laughs> that is, if there is a God, it, is able to look at everything with love and compassion and not judgment, what would that be like? And for about 12 hours, I was there and it was amazing. <laughs> like be, be, oh. being able to like really feel that and go like, oh, I understand it. And like all of these other people that were in the group with me, like some of them, it's really funny because the night before I, I had this in, intention going into the ayahuasca ceremony and the night before I was being so judgmental of people. Like, I'm like, I don't like the way that person said that thing. I don't like what she's doing with the guitar. I don't like, you know, like I, what, and then I'm like, and I don't like that. I don't like it. What am I doing? I, I came here because I wanted to get rid of this stuff. And then the next day um, having that experience, it's like all of that set it up so that I could have that experience, know what it's like to not feel those things, to, and I can't even use the word forgiveness because there wasn't anything to forgive. It was just for me to drop that, those stories that I was telling, like whatever resistance I had inside of myself, whatever insecurities I had in myself that were then I was projecting onto other people and going, okay, I'm just going to accept this. And man, that was a magical day. It was about two years ago. It was fantastic. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Aho, amen. Aho. Yeah. Cool. This was great, Glenn. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so happy I got to join tonight. This is yeah. Yeah. fantastic. Like, I'm so glad you joined too. It was great energy with all of us here. All right. Thanks, uh, guys. I love I love Talk you guys. You love you too. Bye. Everyone. Bye. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Hey there. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Now I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I have more to say about this topic, and I'm going to do that with a follow-up behind-the-scenes sharing time episode on Patreon. So, if you're in a position where you can throw me a few dollars each month to support the work that I put into creating this podcast, please come and support me on Patreon, where you'll also get access to additional content. Did you know that I also create sharing time episodes that are available only to Patreon subscribers? I've been doing that for a few years, so there's a lot of content there that you can have access to. So please come and support this podcast if you can. I greatly appreciate it. Hi, this is Hillary. Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Keith, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. If you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob I tune into the scene between the eyes And take a breath Thank you for listening to Infants on Front I sit still and watch the thoughts float past me Never mind the future, never mind what the past be I like to jump and let the universe catch me Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep-
From a third dimensional perspective, there is a virus. People are dying. We need to do all we can to protect ourselves and everyone else. It's very root chakra. It's fear-based. It's the collective scrambling to stay exactly where they are and being very attached to this reality. And that's okay, because that's the third dimensional perspective. And we all have part of that perspective inside of our bodies, because we're transmuting some of that trauma from other lifetimes. And, transmuting things that have happened in other timelines to us. And that's why some people are, are more afraid than other people are, more, are afraid. When we move to the fourth dimensional perspective, which is time and space, it's a very unstable realm. But that's where the fourth dimensional perspective is where the darkness starts to come to light. So the fourth dimensional perspective is chaotic. It's the conspiracy theory. It's the they is, are doing something to us. It's the, this is going to happen. It's, we're moving into the brave new world. We're moving into 1984. It's still fear-based. It's still like all this other polarity, but it's becoming more where you can see a little bit more of reality. It's where we start seeing the shadows that, oh my God, and all is not as it seems. So then when we move into the fifth dimensional perspective, where while aware of all the other perspectives, we see all of this as a cosmic play. This whole storyline, this play that we're playing out is to help awaken humanity and reach to the light. It's from this perspective, we understand the unity of all things. And we know that death is an illusion, that this experience on this earth is temporary. It's not the entirety of who we are. It's, you know, knowing that we're ascending. It's knowing that we all are cosmic consciousness, that you're cosmic consciousness, you're cosmic consciousness, I'm cosmic consciousness. Looking at these perspectives, and from this perspective, there's no right, there's no wrong. It's that's being multidimensional. So that's why I'm always adamant, if any of you follow me on social media, I keep saying, don't get caught in polarity traps. So claim yourself as a divine sovereign being, to stay in your light and connect to your true self connect to your truth, connect to your wisdom, your knowing, your trust, and understanding, you know, as cosmic consciousness, with that third dimensional perspective that we see playing out, everyone's playing a divine role. This is so polarizing right now, and what I see is it's so polarizing, everything's trying to pull us to the opposite ends, that it's actually going to bring us back together, because it's going to get so ridiculous that we're just like, oh my God, like, I, I can't. Like, there's got to be more truth than what's happening. Literally come back to the heart, come back to that divine neutrality and see everything for the truth of what it is.